Oh. Morning. You look chilly. <laughs> what was that? What? Nom, 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 nom. Is that you? I didn't do anything. No. I, I just heard so. myself mumbling in my ears like some oh. new weird sample. It wasn't you. <laughs> I oh, gaslit you now. Disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's not me at I all. Expected that. Oh, that was really No, I didn't, I didn't actually do anything, no. The session funny. went live and I just heard my own voice going. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we start now, it just plays a new sample of yours somehow. It's a new AI feature. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, good morning. Morning. Hey. Morning. How you Afternoon. Going? Afternoon. Still have coffee left, so that's good. Good. I'll join you. I've got my dog in, in the office today. She's sleeping right next to me. Hello, Hunter. Nice. She likes to look out the door. Whoa, what's happening? Oh, I've been busy. I've been sleeping super well because I stayed up editing videos to get them out for the new Fusion configurations. Have you played with that at all mm. yet? It's not available yet. I'm just updating oh. Fusion now in the hope that it will suddenly appear. But yesterday it wasn't there. Josh and I got excited about your video and then couldn't play (laughs) with it. It takes a while for their internet to roll out to Australia, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, we're still on dial-up. I don't know. I don't Um, know what the deal is. It must be like a lot of server calls or something that they're really rolling it out slowly, or maybe they were just afraid it was going to break drastically. I don't know. It's been... I've seen a mm. lot of comments about it. I think usually it's more of a quick rollout than for new features, but yeah, been slow. I'm excited, excited to check it out. I still don't 100% understand what it's going to do for me, but <laughs> what's it? What? Right. I'm, inter- right. I'm interested, interested to know what it's going to do for you. Like, what are you going to use it for? <laughs> it's like, we're excited to see what you do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, what has it done for me? You didn't watch my video, no. Yeah, I've I've watched some of it. I don't like... The thing that I retroactively feel, I won't say frustration, but I wish it was there for us when we were working on Knockwall. Like it would have saved us an immense amount of pain of making... It would have saved us time. I think... If you look at a lot of the files we made, we're like, all right, let's make a series of plywood box shelving kind of units that go on the wall. And Mm -hmm. it could have easily been one file that has, you know, 50 different options within it. And what's powerful Mm -hmm. about it is it, it doesn't take anything extra. It's like in that case, it would have been setting a configuration for the X and Y units of the size or like the depth off the wall or like if it had a door or not or you used a different material and all of those things can be saved and then derived into manufacturing as like a manufacturing file or like so you know you've got a box 
with, mm-hmm. you know, different 10 different states within that file, you yeah. then bring that into another file. Can you then externally trigger different states of that subcomponent and say, no, become this version of it? Yeah. The new frontier, right? Like, I don't Hmm. even think they fully know how we're all going to use it or what's wanted. So I think one of Fusion's greatest, as a group of people, they're really forward about like, let's put this out there and see how it goes. And I think a lot of us get frustrated when things don't work very well like that. But the alternate is the Apple model where it's like, let's wait till five years after everybody else and then finally put a feature out. That's amazing. Like a USB-C that's been out for eight or nine years. And they're like, you know, everybody's lauding that they put out USB-C and it's like, well, they should have done that 10 years ago. But a roundabout way of saying like, I think there's a, there's a lot to be figured out and, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, the, the thing that I'm most perplexed about in, in how to handle is how you manufacture, especially like an arrangement, like for you and I, right? If we have, if I was doing NACWAL and you were doing like one of your one of your products that has a series of different sizes of shelves, it's all generated from the same file. I think mm-hmm. you could continue inserting those files into a separate file as different mm. configured options and then nest them. I think that's what I'd want. I'd want to be able to take, you know, different versions of it and nest it in its different configurations. Right. I'd want to say nest mm-hmm. the, the 1200 and the 800 and 300 and I want a quantity yep. of, you know, different quantity values on each one. That'd be cool. Right. If you could do I, that from the nesting extension, just go beep, 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 beep. That'd be sick back to our idea of having like a component library i think that would be Mm. pretty critical that you can have a family of parts that you can drop in a little cell of like i want three of these two of these four of these and then we go to the other idea that's still being floated and I i hear they're working on the cam of cam where you have each part has its own built in cam op- operations to it like how do you manufacture this part so then when we nest mm. parts it has its knowledge baked into its original part rather than cool the assembled nest of parts this is how everybody works yeah. now and i think that's going to solve a lot of this kind of like recursive like well last time we cut it pretty well but then we had to re-nest it and we forgot this you know one feature mm. doesn't mm-hmm. get machined like this and thus it's messed up now mm. yeah cool yeah, I'm just thinking about kit parts and like the different dowel lengths. Like ideally oh, that yeah. would just be one component and it's baked into it is the master geometry yep. for each end. Yep. You know, we wouldn't like because of the pencil sharpener, we wouldn't do it like this, but ideally that would have the cam baked into it for the male and female threading cycles. Yep. And then you just pull that one. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I hope it I get kinda it works soon. already. It's a little bit I don't fully understand it, and I was playing with it today even a little bit, is if existing files are upgraded to be configured versus starting fresh, there is a difference in how well they work as you've... Because, like, you weren't modeling them originally, like our dust boot, for example. It's a pretty gotcha. complicated assembly mm. file, and I I have recently changed because we've put out this new smaller mount size for avid four horsepower Heiko. Yeah. 
spindles and it's an easy change and it actually worked to configure it. However, it totally borked my timeline where it creates the lower portions of the dust boot by changing it to the 75 millimeter because when the 100 millimeter is missing, it was referencing geometry down the timeline. And so then yeah, like you're yeah. nesting and then nothing works after that. So it's like, it's a, it's a normal fusion problem. I feel like where everything, yeah. if, if you haven't previously thought out your timeline continuum of all of f- the future perfectly, it's always going <laughs> to fail. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think I have it yet. I don't think I have it. Just got, I heard somebody, you're on a team, right? You have a fusion team? Yeah. Okay. I saw somebody make a comment on the video that said, if you if you haven't joined a fusion team, do that, and it'll, it'll cost you to get configurations. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't get that, but... Weird. Cool. Let me, let right. me just well, ask lo- here. Looking forward to that. Nice. I was going to ask you off the back of... Uh, you're saying you're not getting enough sleep. It struck me as I saw the notification yesterday for your new YouTube video. I was like, how the beep is Justin like getting all these videos out the door and running a business? Like, where do you find the time? Poorly. I can't even make one Instagram reel at the moment. I spent a lot of time. I really wanted to have an early video on configurations. I just feel like it was a big, yeah, nice. a big release and I was excited about it. And yep. I did have the insider access, which is not that secret of a thing to have. So I had it ahead of time. And <laughs> I kind of like accidentally stumbled, stumbled into making two videos at the same time, which was... It's like the most maximizing thing I've ever done, probably, where I was like, let's make a video in 24 hours, and then I made two. And I'm not bragging about that. It was pretty stupid, I think. it. it I realized, as an example piece, the, the Vice configuration video that I put up at the same time, I, I had struggled with trying to do that myself, and then I thought that was like one of the examples I had seen early on when they first kind of teased it to us in, in Birmingham mm. was configuring vice jaws inside and outside. And I was like, yeah, this yeah. is the time to make the video. And I was showing yeah. it in the other configurations video. And I was like, well, what's 20 more minutes, you know, <laughs> to like show how to do this, yeah. you know, and then takes more hours and hours, but um, I'm happy it got done. I think it, they both turned out pretty good. Yeah, it struck me as I started watching your configurations video and like immediately you could tell that, you know, the edit, it wasn't just like a screen record and publish. It was like you'd put time and effort into the edit. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Spending some time. Uh, my wife has been gone on a very short girl's trip. So nice. there's other than Hunter kept coming down, my dog when she had gone to sleep herself and she came down to bring me to bed actually <laughs> she was like you're still up this Come is not on. right and she just sat there and stared at me like in you know midnight and i was like yeah you're right all right <laughs> so not good but what have you been up to i have been struggling to get much done this week but I had kind of broke myself 
over the weekend. So I was in Brisbane for two days for that install last week and then immediately rolled into a weekend of work. And I didn't work all weekend, but it was like, cool, I want to spend time with the kids, but I also need to get all this clear coating done. So I was going in super early and doing like three or four hours of spraying and then going home. Right. And then going back in the evening and getting a bit more done. So I did that on the weekend and then like Jay and Ben were in here on Sunday as well doing similar thing, just like playing catch up. And mm-hmm. Jay had done the mid coat sand on all my parts that I'd undercoated and so they were ready for top coat on Monday. And it was just a good good reminder because like something happened on Monday where there was a miscommunication on the floor and all these parts that we'd worked on the weekend got put back through the wide belt and over sanded. Mm. And basically mm. stripped the the, mm. the undercoat veneer? off oh. a bunch of parts. Not off the right. veneer, thankfully, just just the clear coat. <laughs> what? God. <laughs> and so it kind of was like, yeah, it was just a miscommunication on the floor, whatever. But it was, and then that afternoon, like we were supposed to install on the Tuesday that afternoon at like three o'clock, the client called and was like, sorry, unforeseen circumstances. We can't have you on site tomorrow. Can we delay a week? It was just like mic drop at that point. It was like, <laughs> why did I, you know, why did I do this to myself? I was right? so t- so tired by this stage and just yeah. burnt out. Oh, man. Like, and I get that this happens. Like, I have I've no. Some people get really sort of angry at the client when stuff like that happens. I'm just like, this is just the industry. It's like, it's just how it works. Things come up. Yeah, stuff happens. Whatever. They didn't ask me to work on the weekend. I I did that to myself. But it was just a good reminder for me to be like, no, nah, just don't do that to yourself. Just like right. say, sorry, the job's going to be delayed or plan plan my time better so I don't end up in this situation. That's exactly so I- <laughs> how all of our rush jobs end up is mm. you get it done. I mean, you still need to get done by the deadline, but then they're always... Almost always, I'd say maybe 80% of the time, oh, can I get that tomorrow or like the next day? And you've like, you know, killed yourself on a rush timeline to like finish it. And then it's like, we've had, Mm. you know, like a week after, after the rush deadline. Also, I did the exact same thing making the configurations video. I like stayed up late finishing it Sunday into Monday morning. And then I realized that the release wasn't going to be in the morning it was going to be in the evening, which was the a weird release following. for Fusion. So oh, I was right. still technically under embargo <laughs> to share any of it. And I was like, what in the, like, why did I do this? I could have worked on it, like, for all day. Hilarious. So you were waiting for the Fusion release before you published the yeah. video sort of thing. Yeah, Almost right. always they do, like, a U.S. release overnight, I think. And so okay. when I publish a video in the morning, it's already... Available. Yeah. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just time timely reminder to just like tap out, look after my health first. Because I'm feeling pretty burnt out at the moment. And right. yeah, what else has been happening? And then we had we had a whole lot of business coaching stuff happening on Tuesday. Which was actually just really good timing for me to just like do a bit of a reset. Like, cool, I've done my moonlighting in production for a couple of weeks. I can get out of that space now and right. just reset. 
get back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is selling stuff. And it's been interesting, like just how quickly the tables have turned. Like we had a great August of sales and then September, the first half of September has been quite disrupted by people being away and like covering in production and it's this big install that's been dragged out and going too long with so people working on that. And so it's been really interesting to see just how quickly like our, hey, Hunter. (laughs) Mate, what's up? She fancies herself a guard dog, but she's 45 pounds, so. Cute. Hey, can we leave it? You've muted yourself, I think. Nice, it works. Suppose depending on the recording. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> it's just funny how quickly the like the cash flow situation turned. Like it was frighteningly fast. Like a couple of weeks of distraction, and suddenly we're almost back to where we were. Of like, oh shit, we need to like sell a whole bunch of stuff really right. quickly to ensure we've got cash to pay all the bills next week. So yeah, I'm trying to focus this yeah. week and just get some quotes out and close a few things. So yeah, that's kind of what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Also did like like kind of big reset of my default diary the other day because I couldn't since since I've taken over sales I just hadn't reset my daily structure at all I was just kind of in damage control mode of like sweet guess I'm doing this now and hadn't sort of looked at my diary at all so I did a reset of that and just like looked at the quote register where I put all my quotes in Airtable looked at like the average value of like, if I spend an hour on quotes, how much value mm-hmm. have I quoted? Cool. I'm averaging right. between five and $10,000 an hour in quoted value. And I need to quote this much per week. So how many hours a week do I have to spend direct quoting? And so like making sure that that time was actually blocked out in my diary. Right. Just, yeah, doing stuff like that. I think good. Mm-hmm. Bit of a reset, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's inevitable that, like, I feel like the more we're kind of inversing our roles, I suppose, where you mm-hmm. had all these these definitive outlined tasks and I was chaos mode. And, like, all it takes is, like, a couple changes and I've had more time. That's part of that's another reason I've been able to make videos, even though I did it on the weekend, but would be having the operations person help, Mm. you know, like take care of just like common email questions and they're actually out today, but it, it's been pretty different. A lot of like moving our email system and, website stuff that I keep talking about. It's just, it's a long, you know, a bunch of tasks. Like they've taken on almost all of that where that was all just me like before. So there's no extra mental space for new things or making videos or planning videos or, you know, any of that stuff. Like, Mm. you know, it's not fully there yet, but it's, it's definitely been great. And it's like, we're planning to have like in-person training courses very soon. And that was also a thing that, like, I could just never put together on my own. There was just no mental space to, like, think about the curriculum and how, what time. And if there's questions, like, am I going to be able to, you know, all that stuff. 
So yeah, it's it, a roundabout way of saying maybe you don't want to answer this here, but are you thinking about replacing the salesperson you had? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm torn. Like at one level, I like I'm really enjoying doing it, like being mm. back in direct problem solving mode for our customers is really enjoyable and it gets me back closer to being in a design space because I get to design things for these people and work with them directly and that's really fulfilling and I also before like yes ultimately I think I do need to hand it back over to someone else at some point or big chunks of it but I'm being a bit stubborn like I really want to just get the process really nailed before I do that right I want it to I be really cl- clear and concise and also and part of that equation I think is probably having the get it configurator online so it's kind of I feel like I'm kind of in this in between zone of like configurator's coming that's going to change this role quite significantly because of it just will um and yeah I just want to get it really dialed so I'm kind of holding it close to my chest for now sure um kind of aware that I don't really have time <laughs> to be doing it, but doing sure. it nonetheless. And yeah. I, I mean, it makes total sense to me. I mean, when you get that figured out, please make a tutorial on how to streamline <laughs> your coding process because of all the things that we've been discussing, this operations help the coding process for all that maybe I pretend and share that I've got things figured out, it is, it's just like such a tribal thing, right? Like it, mm. it's not, I mean, there's numbers to it. There's, there's calculations of time and materials, but like, man, is it not a streamlined process? It is almost 98% of my head. Like we have things mm. in quotient. We have, methods but like and i've got a whole sales guide but it's it just doesn't really work like to share Mm. it you know like and and really considering somebody else doing it so that's that's the most terrifying part to me of trying to you know e-myth ourselves and be able to like take parental leave like yeah (laughs) how, how do you offload that like i think i don't know how like if we're relying on job shop work i've just I got to keep doing it until we figure out how to train somebody else to do it. So anybody yeah. has thoughts on that, I'd love to hear because it's not, it's not smoothing out for us really yet. Yeah, it's definitely a challenging one. I thought that would make actually a really good content for one of our secret shows is mm. almost just do a like, if we could do it in a way that didn't have sort of privacy concerns with client data, but like do like a screen share of some of our sort of back of house systems oh, yeah. of what what we're using to quote, and even just that workflow of like Airtable to quotient and stuff, I think could be cool to explore. Because oh, sure. it, it struck me the other day when I was publishing the last episode, and I was in the Airtable base for parts department which you built, and I was checking some boxes mm. and looking through the instructions, mm. and it's like you you are so good at like documenting stuff but also there's all these like kooky automations <laughs> that are happening in that base i was like how the shit has justin even set this up like as soon as i hit 
like schedule on Captivate, which is like the platform where the episode actually gets published, the times, like the the length of the right. episode appeared in Airtable. I was just, I was like, what? How? Black you magic. Know, that one makes me pretty happy that it works. I think that's a, a Zapier, Zapier okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me feel good about trying to learn Python because I think some of these things are way more straightforward if you actually understand some of that stuff, which I, you know, I still can't say that in any, any notion yet. But I would say also when we built the Airtable for parts department, I had, we both had five years of experience with it versus when I started all of our other stuff, like, <laughs> like starting from like using crayons versus like <laughs> nice drafting pencils. So it's, I also love, I, I really love trying to make something work well with like automation in, mm. in some way. I, so it's just a, I can see it's my Sudoku. Like, I always say, I can see you've had fun building it. Like I had a team <laughs> through the, the automations this morning. But when I was waiting to go online, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, cool, cool. So, so dug under the covers a little bit and found a few things that you've done in there. I've um, been trying but it's cool. with GPT's help to make an auto show numbering script so that whenever we create a new record, it looks for the highest number. It's really not that hard. And I think it's because we're in like a free workspace of Airtable. Uh, okay. I can't do it quite right, but it should be pretty easy because we do it with our our RFQ base too. So anyway, anyway, awesome. I have printed the most detailed <laughs> model <laughs> I've ever printed. Oh, wow. What's the, is that one of the marble bamboo materials? It is. Well, it's just, I think it's like a, some Chinese filament. I'm not sure. CC 3d maybe, Wait, but somebody had printed it on a forum it's ridiculous. Also, you can do this because <laughs> you print them separately. It's this just, this just head holding up like a, a stone statue head of someone I probably should recognize, but of, don't. Of Saul Goodman. Okay. Bob Odenkirk. There's an artist I'll put a link to that does these 3D busts of different celebrities and characters from mm. games and stuff. And I just saw it on like. I think it was a Reddit post. Somebody had printed it on bamboo and they basically just printed it from like standard settings and used third party filament. And so it took me a couple tries because I kept printing and the ears kept the support oh, would right. fall over. So there'd be like, <laughs> it looked like they had gauged ears with like a bunch of <laughs> loose stuff. So I have three heads time? and on your heads. Um, I printed it 8.8 .8 millimeter layers and yeah. I'd say about zero, eight, 20 yeah, hours. Yeah. yeah. 20 hours total, two parts. Yeah. Wild. It took longer because I had to print the head three times, but it's pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty great. I'm going to I'm gonna stash it in the house and not tell Aaron and just see what her reaction is. <laughs> awesome. This is why you get printers, right? Yeah. Just for pranks. For the pranks. I took... Part of this was I I had this model like Friday and I knew Aaron was going to be gone. So I took the bamboo home and printed like so many things this weekend, like production parts, these, this marble bust, something she wanted, like dust boots. It was, it was really great to just like go out 
you know, swap parts and not have to like wait till the end of the weekend. Yeah. I don't know. It was more like a toy in that way than it was like yeah. a, a toy for the shop. Totally. It was really pleasing when when I had it at home. After I broke my leg, we took it home as well. And it was funny. It only occurred to me having it in that domestic space where I was like, oh, I can print toys for the kids. Awesome. And like start making Dude, little right. helicopter, helicopter things and like cars and and but because we live in like an open plan house with pretty much no walls, like we can't run it overnight. Well, it has silent mode. Yeah, I haven't tried that. I think Laura did try that on one of her prints actually, and it was still too much, too invasive. But uh, right, yeah, it's printer. it's considerably louder than any others that I've or all the other ones we've had. But I mean, I kept it in our garage. At home, I wasn't going to put it inside mm. anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now the uh, Bomb Johns on, are all on. bambooed up. They are, right. I know. I love I love listening to other people come into it, and they're just like, this is amazing, and I'm sure people have heard <laughs> us do the same thing. So, it, Bamboo just had their announcement. I was kind of anxiously awaiting, because I've been on the fence about, mm. pretty sure I wanted to buy another one. We're going to replace the other Prusa that we never use, and. Yeah. Start. We just need redundancy. Too much of our products mm. that are, you know, dust boots are made on it, or those tool tag towers have been popular. We have another product coming that's going to have printed parts too. And whenever it's down, it's just terrifying for how much we rely on it. It's like literally the quality is significantly different to change to another printer. So for the cost and the value that they create, it's just hard to yeah. argue with. And so. They announced this new printer, and Did it's like they? a mini version. Did you see this? But they were <laughs> no. teasing all these new features, and I was thinking, oh, my God, they're going to blow everybody's minds again with this, like, next level, like, it'll be three grand, and I'll still want to buy mm -hmm. it, no questions asked. And it's got some cool features, but it's like Prusa Mini, but bamboo. The lab, lab A1 Mini, the little open frame thing. Yeah. Yeah. What a funny looking thing. I mean, it's cool for sure, but it's not, I don't think it's for us. Yeah. No. Well, there you yeah, go. It's your home it. printer. Silent mode, under 48 decibels. <laughs> yeah, right. It's cute. I like the filament dispenser. I mean, it's, it's a cool industrial right. design object. Very cool. Right. But, uh, yeah, I can't imagine it can compare to the... The fully enclosed right. goodness. Yeah, mm. it is. It's kind of got like a like a predator vibe to it. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> and then a predator filament dispenser connected to a Prusa Mini. That's like <laughs> great. Desaturated. I, I would say that Prusa also did a cool thing. They just announced they figured out a way to upgrade one of their older mini printers from like years and years ago. So that it can print a way faster, pretty accurate. They upgrade the firmware so they can print a Benchy in like 16 minutes, which is oh, wow. kind of crazy. Like, Sweet. like nobody really does that, you know, like that's, I, I give them credit for that, like supporting stuff forever. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. This website's like crushing my computer. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, things and stuff. Things and stuff. Things and stuff. Jay was showing me some cool stuff in Notion the other day that they built, like formulas and automatically calculating, like pallet weights and dimensions for some contract manufacturing work we do. And both of us were like, "When do we get to burn our table and start fresh?" Right. <laughs> Which we're not gonna not gonna do. But it's just the the appeal of a blank slate. In the same way that you probably had a great time building that parts department air table, just because it was like you knew what you were doing. And it was a blank slate. Right. And like yesterday, now one of our sort of production meetings, I just had this like moment of sort of stepping back and seeing from the outside what we've built in air tables <laughs> like it's pretty amazing like it's it's a, a, i didn't know which way immense... you were gonna go with that i thought you're gonna go no like <laughs> it was a, it was a moment of awe it was just like holy shit how do we make such a complex thing right that does so much it's cool but yeah the appeal of the blank slate is high right now but um i think what i need to do for myself to subdue these notions of blank slateism, just build build myself a few <laughs> these notions. Build myself with just a couple of clean interfaces in Airtable. My coding table's like out of hand, and I've got too many views going on, and there's too many fields. Right. I just need to build myself a nice clean interface that just presents mm-hmm. the data that I need on a daily basis in a more user-friendly way without having to side-scroll for 50 years on every quote. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll do that. I'll get distracted. I haven't tried those in a while. Either. Yeah, I haven't played with them for a while. But I think they're getting pretty decent now. I think you can even have, like, public-facing interfaces now. Ooh, yeah, which you didn't yeah. used to be able to do. So you can do the pizza tracker. Um, the pizzas. Yeah. Exactly. That's what Jay and I excited the other day was the little progress bars in Notion, like completion percentage mm. of job completion, blah 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 blah. Well, you can do that. You can do that now in Airtable too, right? Can you? Don't know. There's a haven't, progress haven't thing. I would say other thing to satisfy your desires to change stuff is just make hmm. mind maps of <laughs> workflows. And actually, yeah. now that you were saying that, you're asking about like documenting these things. A new operations person's been pretty good about this too is to understand it better they were i showed them the mind maps workflow things that i had made and it's helpful but then to recreate i'm missing a bunch of steps they created their own and it's cool way more exhaustive and it is incredibly revealing incredibly Mm -hmm. like and it, it helps you to very easily find all the inefficiencies in it and i think you could do this for anything right like you could do it for how does material move in through our shop like and Mm -hmm. just make arrows right and then where do they go and you can basically just try to cut arms off of it and it's pretty satisfying to like you have to create a separate thing unfortunately typically but what do you mean separate thing like you can't like I don't know of a way to, there's a schema thing inside of Airtable, like an extension that lets you look at all the ways that things map together, but like you can't reconfigure that really. So like you have to create a separate mind map, but 
For those not seeing this, if you check out the YouTube, I've shared our little workflow Miro. mind map. Yeah, cool. You can take a look. Fun. fun little distraction. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. We just had one of our biggest orders ever while we were recording. Shit, yeah. Can't. Pro- can't product? Uh, yeah. Products, baby. Awesome. Good. Oh, God. Did you hear what? that? No. Oh. oh, it's a preview. Let's try that again. <laughs> it's very long. That's way too long. <laughs> Hit the applause. Yeah. I'd say maybe my last thought would be I've in the last few days, we've had a couple pedestal orders. Sides mm. of pedestals. It's been pretty good. And what's been really satisfying, it's like one of those, those like when good design happens, you don't notice it, right? That old probably Dieter Rahm's mm-hmm. maxim. Yeah. But when we first started shipping both dust boots and pedestals, it felt like chaos. And internally, I was always anxious about every new order that went out that something was going to, a new, a new issue was going to arise. And over time, the dust boot problems went away. And part of it was slightly tweaking the design or assembly or something. Part of it was the language of the purchase process to like give people the right perception. And then the last part to me is like documentation and guides that have, I think, drastically to like, I would say like 90% of the problems people would have installing our pedestals are gone. People get it now. And I don't know, maybe it's the people that are more capable, but I would also like to think that we've done a good job of iterating that over time, constantly trying to get to a place where it's automated right now. We used to have to help people on every step kind of through the process, and it's been like none. So satisfying. Well done. That's That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that? Does that happen with you guys with new products? Mm, yeah, I feel like we've had a bad run with new products of late where we've actually, like, we've pre-released a couple of things and they've had issues and we've actually retracted them. Like, mm. there was a little little desk that we released in a hurry and shipped a couple of them and ended up returning them and we're like sorry Mm. yeah this needs more work (laughs) Mm. pulled it from the website and then kind of similarly the like the kidder doors and drawers which we are rolling into custom quotes and projects and things really i mean they only hold up there now is that we haven't documented i haven't photographed them for the website but we did have a couple of false starts there where the details just needed more resolution and we shipped a few and we're like, actually, no, that could be better. Right. Hold off on shipping any more of those. Let's resolve that further. But, yeah, I think, you know, example of the kiddo drawers, which, you know, the, it's cabinet maker hardware that we're shipping and, like, Ideally, the draw position gets tuned post-installation with that sort of hardware. So 
So it's like, and we haven't documented that in terms of the user right. needing to get in there and tune the little widget in the side of the right. drawer to get the drawer front to be perfectly positioned. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think if we did create good guides and documentation around that stuff, it would reduce issues and questions once stuff starts shipping. So yeah, it's Is definitely it something we need. Almost need to exclusively you that would be creating those kind of things. Like videos on how to do Yeah, there is a reliance on me for that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jay and Josh are pretty good at creating, like, Jay will get stuff online. Josh can create the diagrams. And Josh has done a lot of the sort of instructional diagrams for products. And they've worked together to get stuff online. But, yeah, when it comes to photo and video, it's kind of, I tend to be the, the bottleneck, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say about Saunders? I think... He probably was in my head of, Mm. I heard him even on the last bomb talking about how they were recording a process just to be able to internally review it, you know, machining or cam Mm -hmm. setups or like getting in a machine. And I think for a long time, I probably held all of the like video things too close, video camera things. It wasn't even like, oh, you're going to hurt the camera. It was just, it's a training thing. It's harder to train somebody. And, you know, Ricky's been here three years now and, and I think slowly over time I've, I've changed my thought process and then urged him to not fully produce videos, but like use your phone, you know, for anything that's like intern, like a, a guide for a customer doesn't need to be full marketing send. Like, yeah, it just needs to be useful. And so like in the last, last few weeks I've, right, last last few months he's helped film a lot of things like how to you know how do you fix your dust boot if this problem happens and he'll Mm. film the videos and then just send them to me and i'll put them together cool and it takes a lot of the pain off of like just doing you know setting up to do a whole process like that is it's a lot right and sometimes maybe he doesn't have enough to do that day so it's like that's been great and i think it's something we need to keep doing because it doesn't need to be me (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. That kind of video. Yeah, that's really good. If you can get other people doing that. Yeah, Yeah. we've been leaning on internal screen recordings more and more and more. Like, yeah, you're good at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, using Loom now, which seems pretty stable and decent. And like most of us who are doing any computer based work are using Loom internally to hand over details between jobs and. Explain nice. processes or, yeah. I did make the both the configuration videos almost exclusively recorded in Descript. It worked pretty yeah. well. And then nice. I exported the timeline to Final Cut. So yeah. it, it's so, seemingly working okay now. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure as much as you use it, there's probably a lot of problems still there, but... <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Yep. Well, that was something else I was going to tell you. Secret sauce. I don't know. Just have to wait for next time. Cool, right. man. Well, Boop. I think that's about it. Cool. All right. Thank you. See ya. Have a good afternoon. Bing. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and your buttons. I got to get my buttons back. Cool. <laughs> I like this little Fraga thing. <laughs> it's coffee time. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.
Toll.